Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? I'm feeling slap happy today. <laughs> Are you? I am. I'm feeling a little silly. Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling silly? Yeah. Nice to hear. Nice. Yeah. We're jovial. Yeah. We're feeling good over here. Well, the people we spoke to for this episode. Oh, wait. Welcome what? to Weed and Grub, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. This is a podcast about weed. And grub. And food. And sex. Pop culture. And uh, business. Business. Yeah. Yeah. Today we, uh, what? Mm. Well, this is part of our spotlight series. This is a spotlight series. So what is a spotlight series? Uh, well, we talk to people who we like, who are behind brands and companies that we believe in to find out how they became successful and what the roadmap was to get there and how we can follow it so we can learn about being successful in our own biz. Yeah. And anybody who's listening, hopefully it helps them on what their dreams are too. Yeah. Like build your own life, right? Or book book your own life, I guess. Book your own life, and then you can build your own house. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so excited to build a house. Yeah. Wait, are you going to get an infinity pool? Or would you... I was just thinking of the hot tub that I want. A hot tub under the stars. What Has there ever been an infinity hot tub? What? How dope would that be? Yes, please. Ooh, yes. An infinity hot tub would be like just dropping off the edge of a mountainside. Oh, oh shit. My the steam God. is coming off, but it yes. goes into the abyss. But where do I have to live to have that? And how much money do I need? I have $1. <laughs> Which is why we're doing this series. Exactly. Our guests today are uh, the creators, founders, inventors, and dream weavers of Peak Extracts. Kate and Katie, who founded Peak Extracts and are the co-owners, uh, were awarded the first edibles processing license in the state of Oregon, where they're based. They're in Portland. The first and only single-strain chocolate company in the state. They also create a topical salve, and they also have uh, vape cartridges, and they gave us a tour of their state-of-the-art lab. We got to see their chocolate fountain. Yeah, their <laughs> chocolate fountain. Uh-huh. It, it really is. It's like a high-tech, state-of-the-art, beautiful chocolate fountain. Yeah, they are making an incredible line of products there, and they were just so fun to talk to and really cool about how like the two... Uh, aspects of their lives, medicine and cuisine, came together. They were destined to do this. You can't fight destiny, and both of them, through their passion, meeting each other and following their hearts, created something that is so successful, and it's undeniable. That's just how destiny works. Yeah, it was amazing that, like, uh, Katie was a medical patient for Crohn's disease, and she had been crafting single-strain chocolates in her home kitchen, and then when they got together, they brought them to market, and now they're, like, making one of the best edibles in all of Oregon. I mean, yeah, you know you're popping off if you have to buy a state-of-the-art chocolate fountain. Yeah, like, and a state-of-the-art extraction machine. They're, yes. And they're, as a female-owned company, they, I believe, are uh, two of the only women who are actually leading an extraction company for cannabis. That's fucking Which cool. is great. And they source their flowers from female-owned cannabis businesses when they can. They're very progressive and cool and supporting a lot of um, women in the cannabis space in Oregon, which is amazing. Everything about this episode is exactly why I think we created Weed and Grub in the first place. You want to get into it? Yeah. All right. All there right. we go. Everybody, real quick, before we do, give us five stars. Leave a review wherever you get this podcast. If you listen on Apple iTunes, click that five stars. Leave a review. Tell a bud. It goes such a long way, and it only takes you 
eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just a quick eight <laughs> just to 10. Just a quick eight to what 10. What are you doing? <laughs> Do it while you're in line at, you know, the coffee shop. In the shower. Yeah. Or while you're, you know, doing a dab. <laughs> Perfect. Because that's what you want to be doing when you're dabbing. It's yeah. like leaving reviews on iTunes. <laughs> I'm always going on Yelp and just sleething, scathing Yelp reviews while I'm dabbed out. Yeah, definitely. That's what I like to do. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And without further ado, here is our pot. Spot. Spotlight. I almost light. said potlight series. Uh-huh. Spotlight series. <laughs> With peak extracts. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going incredible. We have a fantastic guest today for this uh, episode. Yeah, the Spotlight Series. We're here with Peak Extracts. Hello. 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 I'm, I'm Katie Stem. And I'm Kate Black. Can we start at the beginning? Yeah. Sure. We, we met in 2009, and we were friends for a few years, and then we started dating. And then we opened up Peak Extracts in 2014. Yeah, and in so, the medical market. Yeah. So we, we started making chocolate in this attached garage that had been remodeled. Like Apple? Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like Apple. That's mm-hmm. so incredible. And yeah. We, we started making, I started making single strain chocolates to treat my Crohn's disease in the mid-aughts, like 2006, 2007. And then we just decided to make a go of it when the medical market started taking off. And we started making batches of like 250 and selling them in dispensaries. And then we kind of grew it from there. Yeah, we, we um, got really mechanical, too. We bought a little tabletop uh, extraction, CO2 extraction machine, and like learned how to be car mechanics, and uh, definitely busted some knuckles changing seals on that thing. Um, you guys saw our current yeah. one that's... When you get that thin knuckle skin and it scrapes off... Yeah. Ooh. Oh, right. Ooh. And then you get and then you get chocolate in it. It's not good. Oh. <laughs> no. It burns. No. Just just what? put some gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, real talk. I would kind of like I would have licked it without thinking about it. So I'm like licking an open wound filled with chocolate, and that's just a personal thing that I thought I'd share. Yeah, you make that mistake Delicious. one time when you accidentally lick your finger. It's like, oh, I got chocolate on my finger. That's one mistake. Is all you need. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. And I was like, I'm really high. <laughs> <laughs> she had I a, need to postpone working for this afternoon. <laughs> well, and this was when we were still doing it totally out of our house. Oh, yeah. We can't had, do that now. <laughs> she was working at another job, and she had a work party that she had to go to. And she was like, I can't go. I can't go. I was like, you're going. <laughs> I think it was like, uh, you know, medical strength, like Jack Hare or something, like super sativa. And I was just all wiggy and showed up and all my coworkers were there and I was just like hiding in the corner like like I need more alcohol I need to like take take it down a notch yeah so so you you got the permits to do medical uh chocolate making mm-hmm. and to sell to medical dispensaries and then when Oregon went recreational what was the next step how did you move into the recreational market well we we had to secure a facility which is the one you were just at and so we we moved in there in May of 2016 and we were actually the first edibles producer that was licensed in Oregon. Whoa. So there was a lot of educating that we had to do to the inspectors. And, you know, we learned a lot about running a commercial kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So we we got our license and then we were the first to market when we started doing our early sales here. Um, Did people try to sabotage you because you were first and you had such a high quality product? 
Did people sure. come for you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't immediately obvious because we went from like, okay, here's our empty kitchen and then we're, we were just kind of waiting for some action to happen and then once people caught wind that we were like the first processor that had something they could put on their dispensary dispensary shelves they were driving like from Pendleton like hours away coming up and like we couldn't keep up fast enough it was really intense and it was like you know success is great but it felt like an avalanche and we were just really overwhelmed quickly and then we had competitors come in once they got their licenses and that's when the the competition you know but it speaks for itself, I think. We like to think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we, we've we been around the whole time, too, and we've grown exponentially since we went to market. So obviously we're doing something right. Yeah. And how do, I, I'd love to know how you, I mean, the specificity of your uh, chocolates is something that I've never seen in any other edibles company. You have strain-specific chocolates that are intended for different effects. Yeah. How did you hit on that, and how do you make them? Well, we started out with this whole idea of the Blue Magoo, it actually started as a paradigm between something that works really well for me and something that doesn't. And funnily enough, all three of the owners, Veronica's the third, who's not here today, but we all really like the blue, which is now the bright indica. Um, and we really hated the red, which is train wreck, gorilla glue, those heavy sativas, which we, we kind of classified all of the different ones into a, an archetype. And so the heavy sativa is racing thoughts and body lock. Hmm. So really big body buzz, but you're also really energized, which all three of us really hate. So we were like, all right, we're making that red because like red means no. And, mm-hmm. and so then we built the other ones around it. Like the bright sativa is something that's extremely lucid and energizing and you have a really hard time holding still when you consume it. So that's the, the orange. And then the indica was further divided from the blue. That's the bright one into the heavy one. So that's the you know granddaddy purple or grape ape or something like that. Something that's just really body, really sedating, good for nighttime. Well, and beyond that, like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a visual artist, too, and I, I think of so she. We both make art. But uh, I just think about colors, and I associate them with certain feelings. And to me, I mean, I think it's kind of typical that, like, blue is more soothing and purple is, you know, like, and whereas like orange, yellow, red, it's mm-hmm. it's more like, oh, appetite up, stimulating. And and so that color coding was supposed to be meant for that kind of thing, too. So the whole spectrum is seen in that way. I think it's really cool that you identified something that you didn't like, but you still saw that there was value in it for someone else and mm-hmm. chose to bring it to market anyway. People love the red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are obsessed with it. And I've had multiple people come up to me and say that they need it for sleep, which is just fascinating to me. Wow. And they, it says that they say that it quiets their thoughts, which it's the total opposite for me, but everyone's chemistry is different. And so what we wanted was that because we're cons- consistently moving through all these strains, we wanted people to, people to be able to find the, the chocolate bar that they wanted without having to know anything about the genetics. And so people will say, well, I like the purple. Mm-hmm. And then no matter what purple we have, it's the same general kind of experience, even though there's going to be nuance in between all of them. So what kind of conversation are you guys in with the labs as you, is it sort of an ongoing, you know, testing and sending it out and then coming back and tweaking? Or are you sort of, is it now dialed in to the point where you know you're just sending them out to um, confirm that you're putting out this product consistently? Or Yeah, I mean, we, we get our oil test back and then we do the dilution based on the oil test potency and so I do all that math because I'm a geek and um, it usually comes out pretty easy Um, 
they we've been working with the same lab for what four years now they're wonderful and they do a really good job chocolate's tricky because you have to extract the thc from the fat and so chemically it, it gets it gets difficult for some labs to do an accurate potency test but they've been wonderful for us well and we really babysit that process so like she'll give me her geeky math numbers right and then I will take those syringes of oil and carefully weigh them and infuse that giant vat of chocolate and make sure it's perfectly homogenized and deposited. And, you know, so it's it's really care from start to finish in terms of like, also with like, if we are decarbing material, same thing, like has to be decarbed at a certain temperature, you're gonna get too much CBN or blah, 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 you know, so it just depends on what product we're making and, and that whole process and just being careful every step of the way. And then yeah, when it comes out with that target potency, it's it's a good day, you know? So it happens more often than not. Do you remember that first day that you, like, cracked the code, like we were saying earlier, and you both just high-fived and were like, we did it? Well, it's funny because we didn't get that moment for the longest time because we worked with a bunch of different labs initially, and they weren't doing a good job of testing. And yeah. so we would do the dilution, and I would be like, I'm confident that this is going to be right. And they would come back and be like, no, this is four times less or four times more than you thought it was gonna be. And then they accused us of not homogenizing it better. And then one time we submitted the exact same sample and one sample came back at 47 milligrams and the other one came back at 250. And so we were like, okay, this is not this is not right. us. That's from two different labs. It came no, back. no, it was the same lab and we gave them mm -hmm. the same chocolate. Oh, and, whoa. And it was, yeah. It was it tested so wildly different, which now they're all regulated and that's not an issue. Were you doing that to catch them out? Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was, I, they, they were gaslighting me, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. They were telling me it was my deal, and I was like, well, if it is my deal, I want to figure out why. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out how we can homogenize this better. But it turned out that our homogeneity is actually awesome. So. Once we figured that out, I was like, yay, we've been doing it right the yeah, whole time. Yeah. yeah. High five. Yeah. Hell yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how edibles affect you differently, how your body metabolizes edibles versus intaking weed through a vape or smoking it? Can you tell us a little bit about just the chemistry of it? Sure. So you, you when you consume activated THC orally, it goes into your digestive system, and so it hits the liver first, and so it goes through what's called a first-pass metabolism, which converts it into an actually more potent chemical um, than if you take it right into your bloodstream through your lungs. And so um, it takes longer to kick in and to, and to the effects last longer, but it's also just a more potent experience for most people. Um, and then of course there's, there's differences based on what you're eating with the edible or the terpenes in there too. That's a controversial topic, but I'm a firm believer that the terpenes have an impact on the way that the strain feels mm -hmm. when you eat it. Um, some people disagree entirely, but... They're wrong. I <laughs> they, I like, mean, distill it. it. <laughs> the, the science doesn't back them up. I mean, terpenes are really active at low quantities, and they do have an impact on membranes, and they can change the way things are absorbed, and so I just don't buy it. And obviously, like, we wouldn't have this company that's predicated entirely on that concept mm -hmm. if I didn't think it was real uh -huh. um, 
And so, yeah, I guess that answers your question probably, just that there is a difference in the way THC is metabolized in your body when it's taken orally versus inhaled or topically or something like that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who are new to cannabis don't necessarily understand that concept that it's, it really does affect you differently, and like that's why low and slow is such an important part of it, like that you need to start with a very small amount and wait. How long do you advise? Two hours. Two full hours. Yeah, yeah. especially if you've had um, a big meal. The story I always tell for this is that we were um, out to dinner. We went to Toro Bravo, which is this exquisite Spanish restaurant in town here. And it's super fatty. And we worked a super long day with a bunch of our friends. And we ate this, like, fatty meat platter. Like and charcuterie it, it, and pate and, like, everything mm-hmm. buttered. Ugh, it was amazing. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing meal. And it was, like, at 930 and we ate this super fatty meal, and then at the dinner table, we ate blueberry cookies. And then I got texts at 5.30 and 6 a.m. from everyone that was at the table. <laughs> just like, I'm so high right now. What just happened? And so all of us were texting, and we just woke up high. But it was seven hours before it kicked in. But because we'd eaten so much fat, it didn't get into circulation. And so it can take a long time if you do something as extreme as that, which is to take, you know, a giant amount of fat in but, but at the same time. Can't a little bit of fat be like a Kickstarter sure. for that? Yeah, so yeah. like if you wanted your edible to kick in faster and you had a little bit of fat with it, like mm-hmm. it would accelerate it. Put a little, it through right? a swipe of butter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, stomach contents are a big deal. And so that's why I say two hours. I mean, typically, especially with our chocolate, since it's, it's, it's uh, in solution in the chocolate, and so you'll get a little bit of absorption in your mouth even. Um, and so it can kick in as in as little as 10 to 15 minutes for some people, especially if you have an empty stomach. But if you're really full, it could take an hour or two. I'm wondering if either of you have ever thought either about like walking away from all of this because it was too much or how you find the balance between being human beings together and being partners in business? Ooh, that is a ri- that's a rich question. <laughs> I mean, we really, uh, we really do work well together and respect each other. And I don't think I could do this with anybody else. I'm pretty sure I couldn't. Absolutely not. No, um, no way. I mean, we, we really, we pull a cart really well together. Like it's the kind of thing where I'll pick up one end of something and she's right behind me and we don't, we're not even talking and it's already getting done, you know? And so, there's that as an asset, but absolutely. I mean, as the stress and pressure mounts, like boundaries are really important. It's hard to not take it home. Um, you know, you, you, you're strung out on long hours. Like it's easy to just be like, ah, oh, I just can't do this anymore. You know, like it's just too much, you know? So I, mean, I think those words come out of my mouth a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably that but, calmly yeah. too, right? Oh no, it's too much. Yes. <laughs> oh no. I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to add that? <laughs> That's all true. I, it, yeah, boundaries, like you said, are 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 tough, and I we can't have it both ways. Like we wouldn't have gotten here just being coworkers because we end up working 14, 15 hour days. We end up talking about work at midnight all the time, even though I've tried to put a nine o'clock boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not very good with a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> does, does your brain light up at night? Like as soon oh, as you close yeah. your eyes, you're like, ah, uh, ding, ding, oh, ding, ding, yes, ding, ding. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we've, we've done what we've done and we've come so far because we work way too much. And so I, I don't even know how we would have done it if, if I had like a, a actual coworker that I had to text or call if I thought of something in the middle of the night, like that would be so 
unhealthy. No, like we, I mean, like one person's driving, the other person's on the phone, like someone's making a meal for the other person. Like it's, it really is a partnership in many, many ways, uh, you know, to support the business. When did you know that you needed help? Um, And how did you find help that you trust? Oh, we've had some friends that have really helped us out, but you know, that can be convoluted at times. Like, and I think that when it was time for them to go, they went and it was fine. Like there's, there aren't really any burnt bridges around that. Uh, but how do you know when you need help? Sometimes it's too late. Sometimes you're so busy and it's like, you're just caught with your pants down and you're like, Oh, I needed help two weeks ago, but I kind of just had to do this myself because I'm the one who's going to do it the best and nobody else can do what I'm doing. And, and then it's like, well, actually, you really need a sandwich and a nap <laughs> and some help. When's the know? last time you drank water? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Food, no, water, just, and sleep. I just, I just had this talk with her like two weeks ago because she's been taking on even more than usual in the last several weeks. And I was like, all right, you will never, ever humanly get what we need to get done done in a day. And so you need to just make sure you're taking care of food, water, and sleep because you can't get it all done. And that's just how it works right now. Yeah, and she did break it down. She was like, food, water, and sleep. Uh-huh. Food, water, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then, um, yeah, so I have like reminder on my phone now. It's just like, eat every day at 1 p.m. so you're not a crazy person. And that was like, like it goes off and tells me to eat. So sometimes we have days like that, you know, I like it. I, I have to ask both of you, can y'all just go through your backgrounds individually for a second? Because I didn't, I don't know if you're a chocolatier by trade or you were in kitchens doing, um, you know, French food. And like, I, I read a little bit about Western and Eastern medicine and things, but I would love you y'all could just kind of run through your timelines a bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've always just loved food. I grew up with my dad uh, teaching me how to cook. And so it's just, it's just something that I love doing on a daily basis. It's just what I do to come down and, and relax every day. So that's kind of where I got it from early on in my life. And then I've just worked in and out of a lot of like fine dining restaurants and establishments in San Francisco, here in Portland. Um, I lived in New Orleans for a while doing some culinary stuff. And so I'm not, I'm not like trained at like the cordon bleu or anything like that for, for being a chocolatier. We really had to like bootstrap it and learn and so a lot of it was trial and error um, countless hours of learning and researching and just getting it right and as you've seen now we have a really fancy italian tempering machine so uh-huh. that's really his name is giorgio <laughs> no but uh that's really been um a giant hand for me to get a leg up in this industry because you know when you're producing 500 plus chocolate bars a day on mass scale like that, like hand hand tempering chocolate is extremely temperamental and just just finicky, and it's it, it can go south on you really quickly. And so, you know, if we were doing small smaller batches of things like we used to in the past, then that would be one thing. But yeah, were you so, watching like YouTube videos and just taking notes? Oh yeah, all of it, books, YouTube videos, trial and error. Um, I have a couple of chocolatiering buddies in town that I've called and asked to help me out and tips and tricks. Um, I've taken a couple of, you know, little classes and chocolate classes, but yeah, I think that the, the, uh, the automated machine has really been my friend in that regard. And how about you, Katie? Well, I, I came from a lab science background initially. So I, I started working in labs when I was like 16. I worked in an anatomy lab for a couple years. And then when I was in college, I worked at an oncology lab and a pharmacology lab. Then I graduated pre-med and English lit 
because mm. I'm indecisive. <laughs> and um, Like you had no data <laughs> yet for your own life? Like... Well, I wanted to do something really humanities-based, but my father forbade me to do anything that was any further south than English Lit, because he read that if you had an English Lit major, you were more likely to get into medical school. So that was our compromise, because I, I wanted to do like theater, or psychology, or something like that, and he was like, no. Mm -hmm. And so um, I went, did two years in AmeriCorps in the entrepreneurial division, and so that's when I started learning about how to start businesses and run businesses. That was a really fantastic program. AmeriCorps is much like the Peace Corps, but it's just in the U.S. And so they they train you, and then they put you in underserved communities, and you volunteer your time. Essentially, it's it's paid, but it's very minimally paid. Um, and I did that for two years, which was awesome. And then I moved out here to Oregon to work at OHSU, which is a lab. It's a research hospital. And so I worked there in the neurology department, um, working on MS and natural treatments for MS. So I did a bunch of pharmacology type stuff and I learned more about dilutions and medications and stuff like that. Um, and then I should also say when I was in college, I did a lot of chemistry and that's where I did my first extractions. Um, and so then after that, I went back to school and I got my degree in Chinese medicine. So that's where the herbalism comes in. So I'm an acupuncturist as well and I've been a nationally certified herbalist for nine years now. And um, and so, yeah, it's it's science and herbalism and all that geeky stuff. All of course, into you one. ended up here. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Like... I mean, it kind of fits, especially between the two of us. We just have this really awesome complementary skill set when it comes to running a cannabis business. A lot of the things I learned about how to preserve the cannabis terpenes and flavonoids and everything come from the Chinese herbalism because they do a lot of extraction of all the different Chinese herbs, and there's you know, 4,000 herbs in the Chinese pharmacopoeia, but there's about 500 that we studied really heavily. And so I went back and looked at like what solvent they used and what compounds they're shooting for. And then I, you know, with my knowledge of chemistry, I kind of figured out what kind of parameters we would need to make it as true to the whole plant as possible. Because the whole idea of herbal medicine in China is that you are taking as much of the plant as you can because that helps buffer it. And it's, you know, gonna have more than one ben beneficial compound almost always. So they knew about the entourage effect before everyone used it as a buzzword in the cannabis world? 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are herbs that are specifically put into a formula in order to bring things along. And they, they actually think about it in this very metaphorical way, like this herb guides to the throat or something like that. And so it's they're still teasing apart exactly what scientifically is going on, but it's, it's true. It, you know, one herb will help move it to a certain area sometimes geographically and sometimes just like metaphorically like it'll help you clear your nose mm -hmm. because of the different terpenes most often there are terpenes that, that we're talking about Amazing. were you skeptical before you started actually learning about it because i feel for me the mysticism surrounding something like that makes me uh question if it would work until i try it oh totally yeah and so was it the kind of thing when you started getting into it and you started seeing effects for yourself or like what was it for you i think it, the the moment where i was positive that what we were doing was not snake oil because everywhere we went <laughs> people were like oh there's no way an edible is going to be different from another edible and i'm like well probably the way you were extracting it that's true but so we came home one day after a long day and we took us i'm air quoting we took a square of cbd chocolate and we were gonna go to sleep and then two hours later, I was like, Kate, what are you doing? 
and she was in the fridge scrubbing one of the shelves and I was like scrubbing the bathtub and it was like midnight and, and I was like what is going on like we're we've been cleaning for two hours and it's at the end of a long day and I, I'm I was, like I just can't sleep I don't know I mean the fridge is disgusting I just need to clean it out now it's like <laughs> I just can't wait till tomorrow and I'm like she's like but well, we have to work tomorrow I'm like well I just, this is disgusting and I'm like oh I think I'm high like what's happening and then and then we realized that we we accidentally ate Durban poison chocolate yeah <laughs> whoopsie which like, is a land race sativa, right? Yeah. yeah. Super, super zoomy. I have witnessed people not be able to hold still. It's like, like blow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, so the house is clean, but we learned our lesson and we just did a double blind study of, well, single blind. But anyway, yeah. we discovered the hard way that there is a really big difference between our chocolates. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty careful to label those buckets at the factory what they really are because, yeah. you know, we don't want to do that to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, like any true scientist, you've tested it on yourselves, mm-hmm. so you know <laughs> One, exactly how it works. <laughs> one other time, this was back in the lawless medical days, we went to a meeting and everyone was like, oh, bring samples. And so we brought samples. We brought samples of the Durban and we brought some of this really heavy raspberry kush. And one, two people took them, and the person who ate the Durban poison, like, 20 minutes later, just started, like, sweating, <laughs> and immediately got up and left the room, left the meeting. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll check on her in a minute. And then the guy who ate the raspberry ghost just ended up, like, face down. <laughs> I think he may have drooled. <laughs> and then we got, the, we got the update, like, later on that he went to some more important meeting and was like <laughs> sleeping through it and we're like okay well good to and, know and then on our way out of the building we saw the person who ate the Durban poison and she was gardening outside in the traffic strip outside of her dispensary she, yeah. was, like, she had like a, a sun she hat was, like, on waving. And, and we're like how you doing she's like great <laughs> she's like I just couldn't sit inside anymore just had to get out of here. And mind you, the garden was like a garden. In quote, it was just this tiny little patch by like a parking lot. It wasn't really a garden. <laughs> she like had to pretend. It's so. great. She was active. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she could not uh, hold still. It was cute. How do you? How do I ask about being female owners of your own company in Oregon? What am I really asking? I'm trying to figure out what I'm really asking by asking you to talk about that. And I'm not really sure how to ask because I don't really know what I'm asking. Well, I think I know what you're asking. Oh, yeah, I know what yeah. you're asking. It's, it's it's tough. It is tough. Yeah, it and people treat us like we don't know what we're doing all the time, and people will explain things to me that I'm an expert on and that they have no idea about, which is of course called mansplaining. But um, it's tough. We've we've had we've had some interesting coping strategies. I have an alter ego named Keith, um, and when things aren't happening well, I'll write emails as Keith. Um, and that's gotten us to really cool places. Keith times. Stem. Yeah, not Stem. I don't oh. ever disclose the last name, I don't think. But sometimes I'll uh, just sign things K, just so mm-hmm. people will assume. Um, and then we've had a couple, I'm going to be crass since I can be on the show. Um, we call it a stunt cock, where we're running into some problems. It's happened several times with the city of Portland, where all of us are ladies and someone would show up and be like, well, you obviously can't be running this machine. And we're like, well, we've been running this machine for four years and they'll, they'll just stonewall us. And so we have called our male friends to just show up. And one time this friend of ours showed up and he had never been to our facility. He'd never run any of the machines. He didn't know anything. And he got it passed when we'd had three different 
interactions with inspectors where they were like, nope, nope, nope. And then giant bearded guy shows up for four minutes and they're like, stamp. Wow. Yeah. We'll run into that. And the extraction company itself, like, would call us the girls. Like, we, well, we've never had any girls purchase any of our equipment before. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to know how to run this kind of thing. And, and then they, like, named all of their machines, all their extractors, all had uh, women's names, like cars, you know? Like how oh, guys yeah, named yeah, cars yeah. or whatever. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It was so funny because we told them that we named it after a guy. And the man that was here to train us, he was like, I don't know how the fabricators are going to feel about that. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and his words were, I don't know how they're going to feel about that. I mean, they were li- literally inside of her. I, I mean, him. And I was just trying not to die. I was laughing so hard internally. Yo. Fuck you. Wow. Yeah, this is a super male-dominated industry, no matter what state you're in. But it was it was rough going. Um, I don't know if Oregon's worse than other states, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. You just showed them, or you yeah. show you are showing them. We're we're trying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, science and extraction and mechanics and cannabis and business are all super male-dominated, and so when you bring those all together, it's. I mean, I think we're still the only female-run extraction company that I know of. That Keith email thing is blowing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. For real. That's blowing my mind. Yo. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, my, my last question is, do both of you know where your desire to help people is coming from? I, I don't feel satisfied unless there's some sort of positive impact that I can demonstrate. I think all of my jobs ever have been geared towards service. Um, you know, I'm a medical provider and business is fun, but I wouldn't be passionate about it if it didn't have a positive impact. And part of the thing that keeps me going is the constant feedback that we get from clients who have had their lives change in a really positive way because of our products. And, you know, after the 14 hour days when we're exhausted and we're cranky and we're yelling at each other. It's really nice to be able to see, like, oh, you know, the rescue rub helped me with my neuropathy, and now I can sleep with a sheet over my legs. And, like, I can sleep through the night because of the purple chocolate or stuff like that. It's just it, – it's really inspiring. Yeah, I mean, and on a personal level, like, again, I'll go back to the roots of just seeing how much it helped her with her own chronic illness. And, like, it makes me tear up, you know, to see it firsthand. And to know that we can help other people is just – on a mass scale and get feedback like that yeah when you get that surprise unexpected email from someone who's like hi i you don't know me but this is how you've changed my life and exactly you you never see those those messages coming but each of them is special where can people find you when they come to oregon uh we're in about 150 dispensaries right now and we have um, a list on our website, so you can go to peakextracts.com and do a search there. You can also just email us on the forum, and our sales team will get at you based on where you are. And if you do already indulge, I think more people should maybe like write reviews somewhere and email you and let you all know how you've given them better days. We'd love that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a spot spot for that, for sure. And we love feedback. So Yeah. And also, last question, though, what's that dog's name? Marco. Marco. His name is Marco. <laughs> it came to her in a dream. We we picked him up and we weren't sure what to name him. And then she shot up out of sleep and she said, 
His name is Marco. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. (laughs) And I was like, okay, his name's Marco. (laughs) He loves snoozing in the corner. Oh, oh, what a wonderful way to end this. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Thank you both so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And if anybody wants to find Weed and Grub, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram or weedandgrub.com on not Instagram. Anything else, Mary Jane? Uh, no, I think that's it. Y'all, this has been a great tour. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so much. You. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.